0: The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
1: Hello, this is the China Sports Insider Podcast. My name is Hype Valium, and I am with Mark Dreyer. We have been away for the summer, but now we are back back to talk about the wide, wide, wide world of sports in China and beyond. This week we talk about a controversy from the 2000 Summer Games in the sport of badminton. A tennis player made some waves at the US Open, and this time it was a male player. And the Chinese women's volleyball team competed at an event wearing N95 masks. And this is kind of a WTF of the week for me, Mark. Um, so we're gonna get to, to those stories in a minute. But first, Mark, uh, it's been a while. How was your summer? Where are you right now? How, what's what's going on?
2: Yeah, it's it's great to be back, Hai. Uh I, I spent a lot of the summer actually in Canada, so I kind of uh, bolted from uh, from Beijing just at uh, the start of the summer when uh, when it was looking like a bit of a, a lockdown there. I'm actually in Taiwan right now, uh, on my way back. Uh, to the capital in the next few weeks. So it will be good to be back, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I will yeah, tell. Anyone, yeah. anyone who's either still there or, or has kind of traveled in and out of China at any point over the last two, three years, I've done now nine and a half weeks of quarantine. So I'm kind of done with the whole thing. And it's just, you know, I, I think we we were having this conversation before we came on, but just just the fact that the rest of the world has completely moved on from covid and China is still very much stuck in in just frozen in time you know there's only so many times that we can talk about yet another event being cancelled even though um I did hear that apparently the 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 uh the world table tennis championships are coming up soon in Chengdu of all places which sounds remarkably unlikely uh, <laughs> given the yeah. extended lockdown in Chengdu I mean it, um I was going to say it's an international event but when it comes to table tennis it's largely speaking just a national championship national championships for chinese players anyway sure. but, <laughs> yeah. um you know given all that you know i think as as the podcast evolves china sports was already pretty niche post-olympics and so we'll be kind of exploring ways uh, to, to to perhaps widen the uh, the you know evolve the podcast into something a little bit more mainstream whether we talk about other things or maybe perhaps uh, look further afield in asia uh, but you know, there's lots to talk about this week for sure, and there's lots of guests we have lined up that that want to talk about the wider, the wider world of of sports plus China plus whatever else is in the mix. Uh, and so, as I said, yeah, good to be back. How was your summer? My summer was pretty good. I you know I left China just a couple of weeks
1: after you did, and it, it was sort of in a, in a I don't want to say it was in a rush. There was some planning that went there, but you know it just didn't seem like zero COVID was going to abate at all. I think. It, you know, as a policy, it's just it's just there to stay for the um, you know unforeseen future. So we decided to take off a little bit, and and like you, I mean, it, it's it, it was quite stark when we landed in Europe to see nobody was masking in, inside the airport, and I was like, what 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 is going on here? Like, how how is this even possible? And it really just showed the difference between. Where the rest of the world is right now and where china is for for better and
2: for worse Um, i sort of feel a little bit stuck between the two sides because Mm -hmm. in taiwan right now they've just opened it up as of i think a week uh, you know in the coming weeks they will open it up to visa free travel for uh, 60 countries uh but they're still going to have three days of quarantine and there's a lot of people saying well it's ridiculous you know can't have three days and i'm thinking like this is almost back to normal it's so different to china um But on the same side, I see their point and the fact that basically quarantine, you know, where it was at three weeks of quarantine for China, now to have 10 days, you know, and and the whole thing has become normalized. And then as soon as you step foot out of China, from the moment you get into the international airports and you realize there's not a soul there, and then you land on the plane on the other side and there's no masks in sight, and you think, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, it's not normal in China. And it's crowded at these airports. Like, there's so many people going on.
1: Like, I went to the Amsterdam airport just at the height of their of their sort of crisis that they were having. Mark, I mean, I've never seen an airport like this before. It, it was just... it <laughs> The lines were... I, it was just absolutely don't remember crazy remember
2: seeing that port. yeah i
1: guess i guess I guess not, I guess not, so I'm talking to you right now from uh Vermont um my yes. family my my wife and I just bought a new house here well, I say new, but it's a, it's an old eighteen seventies era farmhouse that we're you know beginning to do some work on it's a <laughs> it's um part of parts of that is is really
2: fun, other parts are uh, a little bit overwhelming. I mentioned before we were going to kind of expand the uh, the conversation. On the podcast, uh, yes. And uh, perhaps <laughs> we'll do a bonus episode on home improvement because you were telling uh, yeah. me before we came on. I'm now familiar with the word spackle, yeah, uh, which yeah. I wasn't before. Um, some people may uh, not know, but for those who don't, uh, tell me if this is right. Basically, different kinds of putty that you can put around nails on houses. Well, it's not about, yeah. okay, no so dear. say have, say there's a room, still it, say you have a, still say you have a <laughs>
1: it's, it, okay, when you move into a house, especially a house that's 150 years old, there is going to be a million holes in the walls and chips in the walls and, and these kinds of things, right? So before yeah, you paint yeah. it, you have to repair that. And that's what Spackle lets you do relatively easily. Mark this is not going to be a hormone improvement show this is not where we're going to be heading uh, but <laughs> but right now like quite it is <laughs>
2: sport hike. and speaking <laughs> is, of which
1: <laughs> it is my world it is my world right now but okay but let's let's <laughs> let's move on from there mark like you know as we mentioned like zero covid isn't going anywhere and no story we've missed over the summer demonstrates that as much as what happened with the Chinese women's volleyball team at a tournament in the Philippines, where they actually wore their masks during a match. Is there
2: any other national team that this could happen to, Mark? Today, no. But actually, when I was thinking about this, um, and I wasn't quite sure how to react, because it was like, you know, they had the masks on, and then they took them off. And, and surprise, surprise, they started playing better. And <laughs>
0: Yeah. Won the
2: game. <laughs> yeah. Imagine imagine that. Um there was that story in the Olympics. Um again, different time, it feels like another a different lifetime at this point. But um you know, it was only 6 months or so ago. Um where I think that was the it was the Canadian women were wearing masks because they weren't sure that the Russian team had uh, been properly cleared. And then there was another one involving a Chinese team um against the Germans and this was just before the summer where I think the Germans didn't want to play the Chinese because they had previously tested and then they weren't sure that the Chinese team were clear. So anyway, I, I think back then, uh, particularly in China at the Olympics, the worry was, look, I don't want to get COVID because, you know, the quarantine risks and the quarantine fear of, of being basically, uh, you know, locked down in China for an unknown number of weeks, I think was real amongst athletes. Uh, at least the the, the the worry was was front of mind for them. Um, but now it's, you know, no one really cares about COVID, it, 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 I would say, obviously generalizing, but, but generally speaking, people don't, and they don't want to get it. It's an inconvenience, but it's not like it's the same way. So, yeah, I would say today, no, probably if there's a team, a sports team playing in masks, yeah, that's probably going to be Chinese. Yeah, and I, th- I thought
1: what was interesting about this case, though, was the reaction in China. A lot of fans were like, what, what, are, what were you doing? Why? Why did you have these masks on, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, it, I, I'm always slightly wary of sort of looking at online reaction and sort of generalizing from them because <laughs> yeah. these days there's millions of comments and you can basically, uh, you know, support any narrative you want. But there was definitely some mixed reactions. Some people saying like, why are our athletes, you know, still doing this? And, you know, but but it's like there's there's been a lot of stories. We covered some around the Olympics with, with athletes, Chinese athletes getting COVID in training camps, um, all over the world, and not wor- uh, worried about not being able to come back into their own country for the Beijing Games, um, you know. So this is still, is still a worry, and and um, you know, there's some COVID stuff that's still impacting Chinese athletes as they try to travel overseas. And we'll be talking a little bit of that uh, about that later in the show.
1: Well, okay, so let's let's move on to another really big story that happened just a couple of weeks ago, which was that badminton story that that came out of the uh, 2000 Olympics in Sydney. Ye Ying made an explosive claim that an Olympics official ordered her to throw a semifinal game against a teammate so that that teammate, Gong Zichao would stay
2: fresh for the gold medal game. Can you give us some context, Mark? What, what, what actually happened here? OK, so um, this goes back to the semifinal stage. And China has long been dominant in badminton. So Sydney Olympics in 2000, there were, there were three Chinese athletes. And then uh, the fourth one was a Dane, Camilla Martin. And in the first semi-final, which was the two Chinese players, the feeling amongst the Chinese coaches was that Gong uh, was going to have a better chance if she had to face Camilla Martin in the final than, than yeah Ye Xing So they basically said, "Right, Gong's going to win this one. Uh, don't make it too obvious, but um, uh, you know, don't don't push it too hard because we want it to stay fresh." Now, in the end, uh, Martin did win against another Chinese lady in the other semifinal, and uh, and yeah, through the match and Gong won, and then Gong won against Martin to take home the gold. And, you know, I, I don't remember this, I'll be honest, I've only been following, you know, Chinese sports and, and the world of sports since I moved here in, uh, towards the end of 2007, so this kind of predates my time, but... I've been speaking to a bunch of people about this and their recollections, and, and quite a few people said, no, we knew about this at the times. So, you know, apparently the coaches were almost boasting about this and saying, look what a great job we did to basically rig the draw to ensure that China got the gold. So I think what what's what's really fascinating about this is that, that Yeah has now gone on camera. Uh, to basically talk about her own disappointment that she felt 22 years ago that she was deprived of the chance to win that individual Olympic gold. And what's interestingly, who, who interviewed her? Well, Camilla Martin, the Danish player involved, because she is now uh, uh, a badminton host at TV2, one of the sports channels in Denmark. So kind of a remarkable about the whole thing and i and i was i was uh, in contact with with camilla martin this week unfortunately we weren't able to get her on the show but you know just to to, to find out how much she knew about it at the time and in the uh, intervening years and also like how the whole interview came about uh because yeah um as we'll get onto in a sec she is a pretty interesting character <laughs> yeah let's let's get into that right now mark why is she an interesting character Okay, so her husband uh, is, is, um, you know, the the couple, they're they're Chinese sporting royalty. Husband is Hao Haidong, who's a a soccer legend, a big uh, goal scorer. However, a couple of years ago, uh, they were both already living overseas in Spain. Um, They've basically been erased from the Chinese internet because he made some comments in support of this sort of potential new party that was going to overthrow the Communist Party. And anyone who knows anything about China was like, "Uh, that's not what you want to be talking about, uh, unless you want to get into a lot of trouble." Now, obviously, they've left; they're overseas, um, and so that's why I think, yeah, obviously, felt comfortable in in exposing, if you will, kind of the inner dealings of what happened, even though it was 22 years ago. Uh, but still, remarkable, I think that that Camilla Martin got that interview with her and and sort of got the the, the full story. Um, but it, you know it. It really leads into a lot of ethical questions because. And I was actually, I, I've got to tell you, Mark, I was a little bit surprised by your take on this. Okay, go ahead. You you start.
1: Is there any justification in throwing a match in, in any in any sport at all ever? Um, I don't think there is, especially not at the Olympics. Their cornerstone is all about athletes trying and mostly failing to win a gold medal. They they are striving for this. This is what something that they've been training for for all of their lives and to take that away from somebody even if it's to help your team win a gold medal
2: i don't know it just seems it just seems totally wrong to me what what possible justification could there be okay well look first and foremost i think you know you look at the olympic charter the olympic ideals and you have to you know uh, it's about it's about doing the best you can and 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 performing to your best and 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 striving to win and and so on Given that, though, it depends kind of who whose position you're looking at. Obviously, yeah, is the victim here, right? She wanted to win that game, um, and if, you know, according to the reports, it was pretty obvious that that people who knew the sport, she basically started off playing properly and then made some obvious mistakes to kind of secretly imply that she was she was being told to to throw the game. I don't think it's anyone's uh, to anyone uh, is surprised by you know the fact in Chinese sport, particularly at the Olympic level. The players, the athletes themselves, are not in charge. You know, it's the coaches and the team leaders who are calling the shots. So when they got together the night before and said, "You will throw this match, or you will lose this match," she doesn't have a choice, right? They they apparently rewarded her with the same bonuses uh, as if she was Olympic champion. But like, you know, that's not why you play the game. (laughs) It's like no, exactly, yeah, exactly. So so, but at the same time, if you're a Chinese fan, then you've got Olympic gold. And, um, yeah, had 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 some inconsistencies uh, on on the on the world stage prior to that. So she kind of had her chance was the feeling uh, amongst some section of the fans, you know. So let's give this chance opportunity to someone else. So from a Chinese perspective, take the individual out of it. And, you know, and the collective view is is, again, not generalizing, but it's certainly a stronger concept in this part of the world. Um, From a Chinese point of view. It was. It was. You know, the objective was achieved, which was to bring home the goal for China and Chinese fans. A lot of them would have been happy because, hey, their 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 player won gold. Mm. I don't know, Mark. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, and I do. I do wonder.
1: I do understand that. I think mean, that's the question is. You know, she was told to make it look really close. I mean, there, there was subterfuge there. There was lying there. They, they were, you know, pulling one over on on spectators and, and officials, or trying to anyway. And, I, you know, I've, I've got a problem with that.
2: Okay. All right. So do you also have a problem with, um, for example, NBA teams uh, playing to lose so they get a higher draft pick? The difference there, though, Mark, is that players don't tank.
1: Players that are on the on the field, players on the, on the court, they will try as much as possible to win a game. Uh, what happens with a tanking team is that a general manager or a coach will not play their best players, uh, be in a better position to um, draft a great player the next year. Uh, whereas this, in this case, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth.
2: I was hoping you were going to say that, hi, because that sets me up perfectly for my next point, which is... Um, Let me take you back to the 2012 Olympics, also in badminton. And I was actually at that games covering it. So I remember one of the big scandals there There was in the women's doubles. There was this huge big thing, but basically it was a round-robin format. And what happened there was that the Chinese uh, favoured pair surprisingly lost in the first round of matches, which meant that they were going to go into a different side of the knockout draw. So then we had this farcical situation where everyone was trying to avoid the favoured Chinese teams early on so they could get round to the, in, into the medal rounds and perhaps get a bronze or silver, or even gold. Um, and so you had four, you had four teams um, uh, across two matches, all desperately trying to lose. And what was happening, what happened is that they were given black cards, which they were kicked out. And then they basically spoke to the referees and they were like, okay, you can carry on playing in the end. They were all kicked out, including a Chinese pair. And then I think uh, some Koreans and some Indonesians as well. So, Again, they were throwing that game specifically to try to win, if you see what I mean. And, and we do see this, we, we see this in things like the World Cup. Every time there's like, oh, France are going to finish second in their group, so we want to avoid them. So we don't want to finish top of our group because then we'll have an easier draw. And I don't know that coaches and players necessarily buy into that, but fans certainly do. And so, you know, if your goal is well, win at all costs, win the gold medal, you know that that was an example where the the the, the format of the tournament, um, again, not exactly the same, but I think there are some parallels there that you can draw. Yeah, and let me just throw in one more. You know, Andre Agassi famously in his autobiography said how he used to tank at certain points in the in the in uh, in matches, so that you know he's like, well, I've lost this set, I'll just just throw some points away, get on to the next set. You know that's not great for the fans that's you're not really supposed to do that he was kind of slammed actually the more i've thought about this and the more i've had discussions with people it does seem to be kind of accepted and viewed differently in different parts of the world you know american uh sports fans in particular seem to kind of be uh have one particular view on this and say well you know with nba and, and it's fine and and from a fan's point of view you can do that um now, I guess in auto, I guess in auto racing as well, I mean, you yeah, know, you might you hang let, back. You and, let people through. Yeah, it's team mm-hmm. orders, so that, I think that's that's a fantastic point. That this was basically badminton's equivalent of team orders, and so I, you know, I I think, I, I guess, I, I guess the difference there is that everyone knows what's happening and they're open about it, whereas this was behind the scenes. Exactly. Uh, even though people kind of knew about it at the time, and let's and let's be let's be clear, you know, yeah, was screwed. You know, she was screwed out of her shot at at. At gold, and she only found out about it the night before. So, like, that's pretty shitty. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. It was whereas, yeah, it was not part of the, the plan. Whereas the right. were all kind of trying to get something, you know, achieve, you know, a high draft pick, or they were trying to you know, achieve a, a, a deeper run later in the tournament, or whatever. So, you know, anyway, it was a, it was a great story and, and a fantastic interview. Um, fantastic, just get in terms that they were able to get her on camera talking about that, even though it was uh, you know more than twenty years on. Absolutely. Well, let's move, let's move on to tennis, Mark.
1: Uh, we've talked so much on the show about some of the fantastic women's players that have come out of China, but we haven't really talked about the men. And the reason for that is because there just hasn't been that much success from the men. Uh, last week, though, two players, uh, including Wu Yibing, not only made it to the main draw of the U.S. Open, uh, but in uh, Wu's case, he also got to the third round. Why is this a
2: big deal, Mark? Well no Chinese male player had won a single game at any of the Grand Slams for guess how long? 63 years. Like, it's absolutely insane. Um, Particularly, you know, like, there have been some players, there haven't been any great uh, Chinese male players over the last, you know, as long as I can remember, but they haven't been that bad. But, you know, fortunately, uh, uh, Wu Bing has now sort of got that monkey off the collective back of the, of the country's male tennis players. So, you know, not only did he win one match, he won uh, two and then played very well, I thought, um, in the game against uh, Medvedev, uh, the world number one, or at least currently the world number one, although I don't think he's going to be next week. Um, so, you know, this is great for, for for Chinese tennis. The women also did very well in New York. It's been a fantastic tournament. I've watched a lot of it. You know, everyone's talking about Serena's, you know, swan song, but there have been so many other storylines uh four of the uh four of the chinese women got uh, uh through to the third round which was again a record uh, at one tournament so real strength and depth there you've got jung chin wen who we've talked about uh, also had a deep run at, and run on Garrus at the french open so the women have have you know looking good and hopefully wu yi can can kind of kick on from here uh, and 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 convert on some of the promise that he showed five years ago when he won the junior tournament uh, uh, as a singles player, a singles junior at the U.S. Open in 2017. You know, I thought about our interview with Patrick McEnroe uh, when we were talking.
1: You know, we, we asked him what his theories were about why there are so many women's players coming out of China and why there haven't been uh, many male players uh, that have you know reached their level of success. And you know, his theory was that with the women, at least. You know they're stuck. They're stuck in China. They're not really traveling, but at least they can play um, against the men, and that sort of raises raises their level of competition because the men are faster and stronger, and um, you know they, they, they just make the women a lot better. But for the men, you know they they don't have that that resource available to them, and and they it's it's imperative for them to to leave China and and raise their level of competition. And this is something that Wu Bing mentioned during his press conference.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, McEnroe is absolutely right. Um, you know, he was asked, uh, Wu Bing was asked, so, you know, what's been going on? You haven't really played much in the last couple of years. You know, have you had any injuries? He goes, no, I've had a few aches and pains, but no injury. He specifically said, I have not had any injuries. I just wasn't able to leave China. And what he didn't say, but what has actually happened is that he was contracted to his provincial team, the Zhejiang provincial team. He had to play if you can believe it. I mean, it's just so frustrating when shit like this happens. But he had to play for the the Zhejiang national team at China's national games about a year ago, this time last year. And so he wasn't able to leave because when you come back, still back then, it was three weeks of quarantine, which is obviously disastrous preparation. You can't, you know, it's not worth traveling for a few tournaments here and then coming back, staying in a hotel room and not getting any practice whatsoever. We saw at the Australian Open a couple of years ago. People were like, uh, in quarantine, hitting a ball against the the wall of their hotel room, but hardly hardly ideal <laughs> practice conditions. Anyway, so he didn't go. It was only at the start of this year that they finally let him go, and he's been absolutely on fire. Now he's playing in the and the, the the second tier, you know, the challenger circuit. He won a bunch of tournaments. He went through qualifying. He cruised through qualifying for the U.S. Open. Won three games there. He's had a fantastic. Uh, year so far in 2022 he's now into the top 150 and the commentators there against Medvedev were saying there's no reason why he couldn't you know a year from now another year from now be in the top 40 top 50 uh, if he kind of continues on that trend they think he's got the shots he's got the game so that's what's what's great but it's just so frustrating I look at you know I look at uh, Carlos Alcaraz who I mean he's uh, at the time of recording he's he's now in the semifinals. The kid's only 19 and he's already number four in the world. He might, he's going to go even higher at the end of this tournament. So why couldn't Wui Bing have started a couple of years ago? He's been, he's five years ago from winning the juniors at the US Open. He's basically been held back by the Chinese system instead of, you know, he's lost ground on his competitors and he's still done really well um, this year. But it's just, I'd love to have seen him kick on, you know, two years ago. And who knows where he would already be now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned Alcaraz. Actually, he's getting into. I think he's playing. He just won his semifinal uh, yesterday, and he's getting into the. He's playing in the finals. That, I think next. That day. was the that was the quarters. It was just the quarters against Sinner. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, that is
2: insane! What a yeah. quarterfinal match that was! Holy shit, yeah. like that's incredible. Um, yeah, okay, it just, was. It just, was pretty good. Um, I'm yeah. glad that I'm in the Asian time zone. Yeah, I don't know if we're putting this in, but. Um, I'm glad we're in the Asian time zone because the the game finished at 2:56 a.m. New York time. It was a new record for latest finish, but it was uh, it's perfect. It was just after lunch for me.
1: Speaking of Alcaraz, my stepdaughter Anna was flying back from Montreal after the Canadian Masters. Recently, she saw Al- uh, Alcaraz at the airport, who was extremely nice, and and they took a photo together, and it was really cute. And she would absolutely kill me if I shared that photo, so that that photo will <laughs> will, will, will not be shared. <laughs> It, <laughs> but it was, it. but it was very very cute, and they had a little conversation, um, and then she actually made it to the U.S. Open as well with her dad, which is which is really cool, and went to see um, yeah. Serena play and Rafa play, and yeah, what, what a thrill! I, I was I was really jealous about that because. It does not look like we're going to get much tennis action in China anytime soon. The WTA just announced that the WTA, their finals are going to be held in Texas this year and not in Shenzhen. I mean, that's not a surprise at all, is it? Was there anything surprising at all in the WTA statement,
2: Mark? Well, so this has just come out this week. And, you know, for a little bit of context uh, for, for people who, who um, perhaps have forgotten because it's been such a long time, uh, you know, the, the the WTA signed this mammoth 10-year deal and the, the season-ending WTA finals, you know, the top eight singles and doubles players, uh, doubles teams, um, get together in Shenzhen from 2019 all the way through to 2028. And at the time, it was the most... It was the richest tournament in the world. It was, uh, had a bigger purse than the men's uh, corresponding tournament. It was an absolutely fantastic deal for, for the sports, but so much has changed. What happened is that we got that one year in 2019 in Shenzhen. Then it was cancelled in COVID for, for for 2020. And then last year they were scrambling around and they went to Guadalajara in Mexico. And then this year they've done the equivalent. They're going to, to, to Dallas-Fort Worth. What they've said in their press release is that they are hopeful of returning to China next year. Now, there's two issues with this, and both of them are big. Number one, and we've spoken on the show before about it, you know, I'm confidently predicting that there will be no tennis in China a year from now uh, due to COVID. They just will not allow international tournaments. And, you know, COVID zero is here to stay uh, by basically any metric. Uh, and it, it's deeply frustrating and uh, um, and sad to see, but that's just the reality. My sense is that they have Gemdale, who's the big Chinese sponsor who is backing that tournament. And contractually, I'm sure they have to say, well, unless until we tell you that you can't come to China or until the Chinese government says that you can't come uh, with the quarantine and all that sort of stuff, and the players obviously won't accept that in, in, you know, today, um, that they kind of have to say, well, we have this contract in place, so we're looking to get back to China. The other big one, of course, the elephant in the room is that they've said... Repeatedly, they're not going to come back to China until the Peng Shui situation is resolved to their satisfaction, which means some sort of investigation, which isn't going to happen. We know this; it's just not going to happen. So, what is a satisfactory resolution? And again, we talked about this with Patrick McEnroe. And if people didn't hear that uh, that podcast, I would I would encourage them to go back and uh, and and take a listen to that show because he had some great thoughts on this. But you know, off the top of my head, for example, the Chinese tennis association could theoretically say you know we're launching this foundation in support of women and and the wta could say well you know this is good and this shows you know you're you're, you know this gives us a face-saving solution to come back and then the chinese side doesn't need to either mention it or mention pang shui and so on and and you know they can somehow find a resolution but the quote was and the follow-up they've clarified the statement about coming back to china they've said We are hopeful of returning, but we will not compromise the principles on which we were founded or our founding principles. And, you know, that goes back to Billie Jean King and women's rights and all the basically how the women's tour came together. So, you know, forget COVID. There's no there's no prospect of them coming back to China. So it's farcical to sort of say, well, we're going to come back to China. But I I think contractually is my guess. They kind of felt they had to at this point, but it's not going to happen. When will it happen? Well, that's the, that's the real question. Wait, can I ask you, do you? I don't know if you know the answer to this, but Gemdale,
1: the the title sponsor for for Shenzhen, like, are they solvent right now? What's going on with them? Like,
2: well, so so they're in a wider real estate area, and uh, anyone who's who's sort of following the Chinese economy, um, not a lot of happy things being written about the Chinese real estate sector at the moment, um, and that is continuing, um. I don't know the specific case of Jendale. They're not as high profile as some of the others, like um, Evergrande, and which yeah, which 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 abandoned their stadium project, right? Yes, yeah, and and obviously you know their their team's been in trouble as CSL team as well, Chinese Super League. The the way that the sponsorship model works in China is very different. Um, they underwrite it, and basically they bring a lot of attention to the local government, and they effectively get preferential treatment for for land development so they're not really making money off people coming you know bums on seats as it were and and expecting full stadiums um for those matches that's not really the business model how it works in china but but you know they obviously thought it was worth their while to invest in you know that 14 million dollars per year the the price for 10 years you know pretty In in 2019 in 2019
1: it Correct. was worth their but
2: while, but the what? Wo- yeah. yeah, exactly. But the whole landscape has changed. The, I mean, COVID obviously has changed the, the global landscape. Then you've got the Chinese real estate sector. Then you've got the shui. I mean, the whole thing. Like, who knows what Jemdale is thinking now? Um, I'm gonna have to do some digging. It's a good point, but um, uh, yeah, it's oh, that's a mess. Well, yeah. I mean, is it? I mean, just I'm
1: speculating here, but maybe for them this is sort of a blessing in disguise. Like, this is 14 million dollars that they do not have to spend every year.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, who knows until, until, until they come out with something, you know, we don't really know what they're thinking, but, but I think what is frustrating is, is that, you know, on both the men's and the women's side, the future is bright for tennis in China or for Chinese tennis, not for tennis in China. Uh, And it would be such a shame if, you know, all the best players, uh, you know, if China is developing a whole host of superstar players, And they can't play in their home country. I mean, yeah, just beyond frustrating. But, you know, that's at least what we're looking at for the medium term. But hopefully somehow they can find some sort of resolution that will... It's not going to satisfy everyone. I I know 100% people will be... You know, they'll get criticized at WTA for for coming back to China if and when they do at some unspecified point in the future. But, you know, there is definitely a part of me that thinks, look, find a way somehow just because you know we need sports here we need it's just like
1: ah come
2: yeah, on <laughs> i know mark but
1: you know it's what it sounds like to
2: me is that zero
1: covid is is sort of masking all these other issues that you know yep. people are going to have to right deal now, with right right after. now
2: it's a uh, it's it's a uh, it's an, a perfect excuse for not having to address the punisher situation with Ex- exactly um, exactly but a year from now you know it starts to get pretty old pretty quickly that's it for our show this week So excited to be back
1: with you, Mark, and excited to talk about uh, sports in China and more. We're going to try a lot of different things uh, this coming year. Uh, We're going to live stream our episode next week on youtube which i'm really nervous about
2: uh, but i think it's gonna be a lot of fun <laughs> it'll be fine <laughs> no no yeah we're, we're definitely uh, we're gonna kind of uh, try and, and experiment a little bit potentially with the format whether it's live streaming and and also the content you know as, as we talked about at the top of the show you know china and sports right now is in a very uh, strange space uh and so we're gonna have to try to evolve you know, I, and I think that's the right word, you know, evolve the podcast um, to, to make it appeal to, to as many people as possible. So, you know, please hit us up on all the usual places, you know, if, if there's things you want to talk about, if there's questions you have, things you want us to talk about, or, uh, or, or uh, people you want to hear, hear us speak to and interview, please let us know and we'd love to hear from you.
1: Absolutely. Well, thanks for listening. We will be back next week.